Hey everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and we have a very special comic book episode to drop right now which is uh, myself and my good friend Robert Clauser here. Rob how's it going? What's up Alex? How you doing man? Doing good. Doing Thanks well. for joining. Yeah yeah we uh, I know we had promised all of our listeners a uh, October comic book episode and I think after after uh, the end of October being on vacation I know you had a bunch of work as well. Uh, I'm probably going to shift that into you know whenever we need to have a comic book conversation we're going to have it versus uh, you know putting a requirement like that. So instead though we're going to have a treat for you guys this month we're going to do two comic book episodes. Uh, we're going to be talking about Eternals on this one to coincide with the movie. And then a little closer to its release, we'll have an episode out for the second half of the Hawkeye uh, series, which uh, really looking forward to that. I actually read that series on uh, while we were in Hawaii. And I was like, man, this is just so good. Like, I, I love uh, love that Hawkeye run. But when I was reading these uh, Eternals runs, too, holy cow. Uh, I was uh, just blown away because uh, the two the two ones we're going to be talking about today. The first one is going to be the Kieran Gillen run with uh, art by I believe his name is Isad Ribic, and uh, that is a brand new title. So that came out I believe it premiered. They planned for it to premiere uh, in January, and I did it. It had some delays, but uh, the first six issues are now available on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, the sixth issue actually came out this week on Monday. So it's fresh. It's right there. And uh, I'd been saving it. I, I bought the first six issues and I was waiting till we had all six because I wanted to read them right before the Eternals movie. And so I'll say before we get started, too, that uh, both Rob and myself have seen Eternals already. And uh, we will not be talking about spoilers in this episode, but I will say there are a lot of tie ins. Uh, in both of these series, little bits and pieces of things that kind of tie into the movie. So uh, we will do our best not to spoil anything. We certainly don't want to ruin your experience if you haven't seen the film. If you have, this hopefully will enhance your viewing, but you can always wait and pause this episode, come back after you've seen the movie. Uh, I know a couple people have already asked me of like, oh, what comics should I read? Uh, you know, after seeing this film. So hopefully this is either a great preparation before you go see the film or something to catch up on afterwards. So Kieran Gillen's run, Eternals, issues one through six. And then also we are going to be talking about Neil Gaiman's run uh, with art by the amazing John Romita Jr. Uh, that is Eternals issues one through seven. And I believe they came out in 2006. So you should be able to find those. They are available on Marvel Unlimited as well. Uh, but let's dive right in. So before we get into the nitty gritty, Rob, what did you think of uh, this Kieran Gillen run? I, I'm liking it so far. I mean, this this one is is probably the one that's closest to what they did in the movies, as yeah. far as like the tone and and what what's going on in it. So like this this probably like how we you know we read Shang Chi. It's probably the mm. same thing. Like they 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 took notes from the script and did a whole new run based on what they had ideas for for the movie. So that's the kind of vibe I got reading the stuff and seeing the movie last night. Yeah, yeah. It's it's curious because I, I know we had talked, I've been reading the uh, first 10 years of Marvel Studios, that giant book that came out. And there's just been so many cool. So I guess that's a plug for that book. If you guys are into the Marvel universe, you like it, I would highly recommend it because it goes so deep into the planning and what went on behind the scenes for those 10 years. And one of the things that I noticed was, and we kind of already knew this, but uh, when, when they're planning the movies, they're planning them like f at least four years in advance. So like they were planning, uh, I believe they started planning Infinity War in like, well, they, they planned it for a long time, but they fully started planning it in like 20, 
end of 2015, I think. And it didn't come out till 2018. And that's the same thing that Marvel Comics does. Because uh, they talk about, you know, the, the movie group will have their studio retreat every year where they go and plan out, you know, what is the next phase of films. The Marvel Comics do the exact same thing. And they typically do that a couple of years in advance as well. So I wouldn't be surprised now that Kevin Feige is the president over all of that. Uh, that they pass the notes back and forth to say, hey, you know, we're not going to tell you exactly what this story is, but here's some of the beats if you want to maybe include that in the next comic or vice versa. Maybe they say, hey, we really like what's going on in this comic. We can transpose it into the film. But you're absolutely right. I, I was as I was reading it um, and all I had read prior for Eternals was the original Jack Kirby run, which I think you would agree is, is kind of a snooze fest. No yeah. offense to Jack Kirby. It's a beautiful comic. It's really nice to look at, but it is just it's the Eternals are tough. And, and that's something yeah, credit, that I think a lot credit of people, Jack Turner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> credit to All him for coming that. up with the concept, but it was, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It if only bad. he had come out, up Not with it a couple of years later, a couple decades yeah. later, but, uh, but it was a cool concept. And so I, I think a lot of different people have tried their hand at it. And you've seen that over the years. And honestly, in my opinion, I don't think it was until Neil Gaiman's run that they actually got something right with the Eternals. But even then, there's pieces of it that they kind of skip over and they don't really cover. And it's like, because it's so dense, there's so much to talk about. And so by the time you get to Kieran Gillen's run, he's flipping a lot of that stuff on its head, but it's the same stuff that's being flipped in the movie. And so that's not spoiler territory, but to say, like, for example, Sprite in this Kieran Gillen run, Sprite is female, whereas in all of the other iterations, Sprite's been male. And I loved it. And this one, they gave the perfect example, which was that every... Uh, who says every 20 to 25,000 years, you know, they kind of just, you know, change gender or they change something else just because they want to shake things up. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, that's really cool. That's a cool explanation. And that works for me. So you've got that piece. Um, and there's a couple of other pieces that we'll dive into. So um, I liked it too. I thought it was really good. Um, you can tell when you're reading it and you, you'll all know what I mean in terms of the Hickman-esque quality of this. There's a lot of infographics that really allude to this being a very big story, that this is something that he's got, clearly seems like he has plans for, for a very long time. And you can tell as well, because in the upcoming months, there's one shots that coincide with this. So like, you know, the next issue is issue seven, but there's an Eternals, I think called Celestia. And then there's another one that's called like Eternals, Thanos Ascendancy or something like that. And they're both, I think they're by Kieran Gillen as well. So he's got all these little random one shots the same way that Donny Cates does like his Web of Venom series. So he's got plans. And I think he mentioned that when he first started on it, when they were interviewing him, that like, this is something he's always wanted to do because the kind of the same thing. The Eternals have kind of been boring boring and so he was like well yeah. he's like i've got this grand idea and so you mm -hmm. can tell in these first six issues it, not much it's not that not much happens but if you're looking for some grand story to have an ending at the end it doesn't at all and in fact by the end of this uh, the sixth issue it, it becomes even more insane and and the uh, the reveal which we'll get to about you know what happens when an eternal dies and is reborn which was honestly a really cool concept so We'll dive into this first issue. Um, basically, uh, our main character, as it typically is, is Icarus. Uh, he wakes up after dying again. And uh, again, easy jump in for readers. You don't have to have read a, a prior Eternals thing. I would recommend at least reading the Neil Gaiman run, which we will talk about, uh, because there's some bits of that with Sprite. But he wakes up after dying. Uh, the story itself is narrated by the machine, 
which I thought was really cool uh, because that's like absolute Kieran Gillen in that sense where there's a very British sensibility to, I, I think he's British, either British or Irish, but you can just tell he's, he's got this very quick witted writing that he does. He, he pulled it off on uh, Darth Vader. He did that on the young Avengers series and on uh, um, what is it called? Not gods and monsters, but uh, the wicked and the divine. Uh, and, and so you see that here where the, this machine is kind of sassy and you think about it too, in some moments, there, there are bits in this where you're like, wait, what's going on? Like, I thought we were just with the Eternals and now we're like back in time. And then he says, yeah. oh, sorry, my circuitry is broken. <laughs> it's like, oh, so, you know, we're seeing in real time what it's like to have a broken computer narrate the story. And so he's explaining some things and, and has um, uh, Icarus talk about what the three tenants or the three roles are for an Eternal. He's like, you need to recite them. And so Icarus says they're, they're one, to protect the Eternals, two, to protect the machine, which is their, their way of coming back, their way of life. It like creates pocket dimensions and other realities, a bunch of high concept stuff that kind of went over my head. But if you just breeze through it, you'll be fine. Like there's no, if you think too much about it, it's kind of tough. But uh, at the end of the day, it's like they basically live in like a quantum realm in random places on the planet, like the South Pole. And I think they had one somewhere else in space, something like that. Uh, and then the third one is to correct excess deviation. So a.k.a. killing deviants. Uh, what do you think about that whole opening sequence? Uh, I thought it was, like you said, this is way over my head. A lot of this stuff. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I, th I thought that the machine is Earth itself that's what i that's what i gather that's a good point i, I think you might be right because yeah. it's kind of with uh and i guess we won't get into it with the movie but they kind of go into that too in a yeah. sense and so that that makes sense i would agree with that i'd buy that right um and so he he speaks with uh eternal prime the prime eternal which again in the movie is ajak uh, but in the comics is zurus and Zerus is kind of like an odin in a sense except if he had orange hair he's just this big gruff guy and he's always kind of been the leader of the Eternals. And he essentially explains to Icarus that they've been in the exclusion, essentially. He just came back. He just died. And when you die, you go into the exclusion and then you're reborn. And if you screw up or do something bad, the Eternals can vote to keep you excluded to where you can't come back. And so he advises, and I think this happened in a prior run, but you could easily see from the Neil Gaiman run uh, because of what Sprite does in that story. Yeah, that, say, Sprite, that happened to Sprite in the Neil Gaiman run. Exactly. That Sprite mm -hmm. is uh, very mischievous and does something kind of terrible in the Neil Gaiman run. And so she, she's been excluded for a very long time, apparently. And so what happened was they had their Unimind meeting, the Unimind meeting, I guess you could say. And, and the way that it is in the comics with the Eternals is that they're all connected mentally. So mm -hmm. they, when they're deciding on things, it's like a... Um, what's the word for it? It's just a, it's like a qu instant quorum almost where they just think it and they're all kind of in agreement. And I'm going to find that clip to see what it is. He said that, or the, the um, computer explains when Zurus says uh, the Eternals are of one mind, she is to be freed. And he says, one mind is a euphemism. Zurus is saying that the eternal political system has reached a decision. And when the decision is made, it has been made. All divisions are hidden behind this politeness. Uh, but he says, you know, Icarus is not one for euphemisms. And he's like, why? Like, no, whatever happens next is your fault. And he's like, I know I'm, you know, I'm the leader of the Eternals. Uh, many things are my fault. But so they bring Sprite back. She's female now. And they go off to Earth. 
and uh, to stop a giant deviant. There's this really gross deviant in the sewers Mm -hmm. that they fight. And then they come back. And when they return, uh, Zurus is dead. And so this turns into a murder mystery of who killed Zurus. And the question being, if this happened on like the eternal home world, eternal prime, whatever, I don't think they ever say what it is besides the exclusion. Uh, it had to have been an inside job that it had to have been another eternal, which doesn't make sense because the rules of the eternal are protect the eternals. Number one, number one. And it's not like uh, Oh, these are guidelines. Like that's programmed. I believe that's programmed into their, their blood or whatever. Like they have to follow those rules. So right. something's going on, but by the end of it, uh, they walk there. Uh, so it's kind of like a buddy cop comedy in a sense too, right? Like Icarus and Sprite are kind of investigating this murder and mm-hmm. the, uh, the computer's like, yeah, you know, we found a, a hint of this scent going off in this direction. And they're like, cool, let's follow it. And we find out at the end of it that guess who it is? None other than Thanos. Yes. Yeah. what do you think about that reveal? I thought it was cool. Cause you know, like, like, we're supposed to know that Thanos is also an eternal with like the deviant gene or deviant strain. So I don't like you're trying to, you're trying to figure out how he got there in the first place. So. Exactly. Yeah. Like who, who let him in? What, what's going on? We also get a little bit more information around the machine itself, which like you said, is all over earth. And it actually uh, also functions as, and I love the way he described this, but it's like a mass transit system for right. teleportation. So the eternals, can dematerialize and rematerialize anywhere on the planet. It's very difficult in some instances, but the machine has it so that there's certain like train rails, I guess you could say, where you would ride it to a specific spot and it gets you there a lot quicker, a lot safer. Uh, again, just explaining stuff in this world and, and just goes to show how much world building uh, Kieran Gillen is. And so I'll say too, at this point, uh, and I'm sure you would agree too, especially with that final page, the art is amazing. Like this, Asad Ribich is perfect yeah. for this story. I, I, I love his art. The only nitpick that I have with some of his stuff is like, you know, when the characters are having their dialogue, their faces yep. all look the exact freaking same. Yeah, that's like a famous that's, that's complaint only, of his. Yeah, that's the only thing. But other than that, like the splash pages, the action, the action shots, everything is really good. Yeah, yeah, just gorgeous. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, that's a that's a famous complaint of his is that he's he struggles drawing faces and they're all they're often discomforted faces. You can usually see them going like like their yeah, mouth is just, like same they're the same freaking face. Like what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so throughout this issue and a couple of the future issues, I wanted to call this out as well that the the computer kind of gives the Eternals different quirks in a sense. And mm-hmm. so he described that it describes Icarus as the arrow. That yeah. it's, you know, straight, true, unbending. Druig is the snake. Mm-hmm. Fastos is the hammer and forge. Circe is complicated. Thena is the book and the blade. And Gilgamesh is the righteous fist. And I don't, I, I could, I might have to double check if there was one for Sprite as well. I'd imagine she's something else. I can't remember what Sprite is. Yeah, I don't remember if they said anything. But I just thought it was cool that he came up with like a little one word thing to describe each of them. That's great. Uh, the one bummer, I think, too, again, because of the movie being one of my more favorite characters coming out of the movie, probably my favorite character, is that Makari is not in this uh, story yet. No, I'm sure yeah. they will come for sure. I don't know if they're going to choose to be a, a male or female because typically it's male in the comics, but I loved the rendition in the movie. It was so good. Yeah. 
Um, so this second issue opens up with a badass Thanos Icarus fight, which is something, you know, it's funny because you would have been like, oh, I would love to see them fight. And he's like, okay, yeah, fine. First thing you see in this issue, let's just get that out of the way. Let's get this fight going. And it is a fight. Yeah. I mean, like, like the thing that confused me a little bit about it was, I guess, I guess they're in the core of the earth or wherever the hell they're at. They're like going through time. They're battling through all time. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. <laughs> yeah, it shows them like fighting. the dinosaurs and, yeah, and yeah, all that yeah. stuff, knights and whatnot. Like, yep. So it's like I wonder if they like they they can still like like you're saying they can they they can materialize wherever on the earth, but can they do it through time? time? Yeah. Yeah. I I good great question. I'm assuming yes because of this, but like I said, there's just there's a lot of high concept and high science in this series that you almost need to just stop asking the questions and just enjoy the art and and not try to get you know confused while you're doing it and i loved how this ended too because i was kind of shocked for a second uh thanos rips icarus's head off and you're like Mm -hmm. oh my god and then but then we find out that it is just an illusion from sprite and Mm -hmm. they got out of there at the last minute icarus is pissed he's like what let me at him let me at him and he's like no no we're like we need to go recover yeah Yeah, we've Mm -hmm. got to go and then this is kind of what I was talking about with the computer. We then immediately jump to ancient times and mm-hmm. there is a, a little boy by the side of a river, uh, kind of like the boy in the, in the trailers of the Eternals movies yeah. by the side of the river. Uh, Icarus shows up and the boy basically explains like, you know, you get the classic, are you a God conversation, which I thought was really cool. But then he says like, there's a, there's a monster around here. And he's like, where? Like, I'll fight it for you. And he's like, I, I don't know. Like, they, he looks and he's like, I can't find it. I have no idea. He says, but could you stay until it comes? And he says, I have many duties to attend to. Um, he says, will you assist me, though? Make a pyre here and I will have the great machine watch it. Light it when you see the monster and I will come. And so the entire rest of his life is him sitting by this pyre uh, waiting. And so we get to see him grow up have kids, have grandkids, and get incredibly old and die. And the family burns him on the pyre, which is when Icarus shows up. And to Icarus, it's like, this has been 10 minutes, basically. Like, it's not that, it's like a blink of an eye for him because they're eternal. And I just love that, though, that it was like him dying and burning was the signal that brought him back. And it was such a good little, like, story. But then I was like, why are you telling this story? Because then this giant, giant deviant shows up and that was the monster. And so Icarus fights it. They are freed. But I was like, what's going on? And then he says, uh, you know, the computer says, where was I? And he's like, oh, yes, right, right, right. Back uh, uh, on Thanos, Zeros' murderer. And so it was like, you start finding out that there's a, there's a flaw in the machine, basically. There's a glitch in the matrix. And right. so you don't see it, but this is your first hint of it, that something's going wrong which I liked. I really liked it. It's a weird kind of narration, but I was digging it. Yeah. Like I said, it, it, it's, it's high concepts, kind of confusing. Yeah. But I do, I do like this story a whole lot better than the other ones. Cause you got what you had Neil Gaiman, you had Jack Kirby and I forget the other, the other uh, eternal run. Uh, I know it was Daniel Acuna did the art. You know, it's funny in the movie, in the credits, they, they credit them all. It may have been Roy Thomas. Uh, but they they credit all of them, which I thought was great. They didn't credit Kieran Gillen and Ezod, but that's because they made the movie, I think, before it. But right. um, but yeah, and so then at this point, you know, the, the question was, well, Zerush should just be resurrected because that's what happens when an Eternal dies. They just immediately get resurrected. But then Fasto shows up and says, 
there's a comp the machine is compromised basically the something has happened and we can't do any resurrections and so they're like okay so Zerus is actually dead until they get this machine fixed and rebooted and uh during this we also see that uh kingo is a movie star uh or he makes a lot of movie references so that matches with him in the movies too which is great he's a lot more ninja in this than he is yeah it almost feels like he's from maybe like a china or japan versus being from yeah India. like like he's mongolian or something yeah or That's mongolian like the- yeah because yeah. they have that whole excerpt about him with genghis khan or mm-hmm. talking yeah. about genghis khan which again was a super cool right. excerpt made zero sense for the story but it was like okay yeah the computer's broken so mm-hmm. um we find that but at the same time icarus gets a vision about tony robson or uh who yeah. or toby robson yeah. And I was like, I was like, what is this? Why is this is so random? Why are we seeing this kid? And he he sees a vision of a gravestone that has his name on it. And so he finds the kid and it's this kid. And he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Icarus. I'm here to protect you. And he's like, why? And he just says, and I loved it too. Cause Icarus is kind of a snob. He was like, I, I had a vision where something bad happens to you. And I don't want that on my conscious. So, so I'm just going to stick around and protect you. And it's like, okay. So yeah. then you're like, whatever. And you don't, re- you have no idea what's coming with that. But uh, from there, the third issue kind of goes over Athena. And we see the yeah. story of Athena, which is that she is obsessed with the deviants and she sleeps, she's sleeping with the deviants. Uh, but we also find out the deviants end up betraying her. But we get a cool piece of uh, info here is that the deviants live in Lumeria, which is an ancient city. Uh, I think kind of in like the Atlantic Ocean, something like that. It's one of those ancient civilizations that people talk about with Atlantis. In the comics, the deviants live there. Uh, Theoretically, there were supposed to be 100 deviants, but when the computer accesses to see how many deviants there are, it's like millions. And so they've basically been, been busy. They have been repopulating like rabbits or I guess probably like deviants. And uh, we just get this interesting bit that the um it's kind of like a sad love story essentially athena has to kill this deviant that she's been romanced with because he wanted to become like her and we learn here as well that the deviants have another name called the change the changing ones because they are constantly evolving they're constantly growing and going turning into bad guys most of the time because they grow and evolve into a monster or something like that and at the very end of this issue, we also find out that Druig, who obviously we would all su- suspect is the villain, uh, everyone in his high command at his palace is dead. So now he is officially in charge of his home world. And they're all like, well, that's convenient. And he's like, yeah, I know. And then that's the end of the <laughs> issue. And you're like, well, is it that, is it that simple? And it's like, obvious yeah it's not it's not that obvious which i loved i love that every issue you you're you're waiting for the tropes to kick in from the prior eternals runs and Mm -hmm. uh but they're not he keeps turning them on his head which is great and so then in this uh this next issue fastos is really trying to fix this machine you know banging his hammers against it sprite is now looking over toby robson uh because icarus is trying to protect the planet uh because because the machine is failing the planet is now failing uh, and so there's like giant hailstorms falling and he's blasting them with his, his eyes, which was great. Uh, but then at the same time, Thanos shows back up at, at the inclusion point where the Eternals are and starts fighting the other Eternals like Cersei and Thena. And so they're all fighting Thanos and it almost looks like they're going to beat him, but he escapes at the last minute, which I thought was cool. 
Uh, but also thought it was like, what is he doing? He's acting a lot like Loki. Like to me, Thanos doesn't run from fights, but maybe he realizes that, you know, the machine's broken too, and he only gets one shot or he's going to die. Uh, and at the very end of that, though, we see that Druig meets with Thanos. And no, Druig was not working with Thanos, but now Druig is interested in working with Thanos. And he's like, you know, right. if you needed a traitor, you should have come talk to me. And so I loved that line because I was like, okay, so he isn't the bad guy, but he still is a bad guy. Like, I thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on in the next issue, but it, it was pretty cool to see. But it's, it's so obvious that Druig would turn, mm -hmm. I guess, because yeah. that's, that's the way it's always been with him. So, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very easy sort of like, okay, we no surprises there. Um, the, the fifth issue is a focus more a little bit on Cersei, I would say. She goes and meets with Tony Stark and is they basically say by the end of the last issue that they need to gather more Eternals and they need to get Gilgamesh, who is called the forgotten one at this point because he's kind of just disappeared. And he's essentially turned into the Punisher is what they equate him to, is like the Eternals version of the Punisher that he goes around killing people and things that are going to go against the machine, that are going to go against the Eternals, which is like great you're cool like the police force but obviously the you know very excessive force and so she essentially lies to tony stark saying you know oh i'm working with thanos all these buzzwords because then all of a sudden gilgamesh shows up out of a portal and he's like i've got you <laughs> like i knew you were gonna betray us and he grabs her but then some other eternals show up and grab him and they're like nope this was all a trap to get you like we, we had no other way of finding you i loved that i thought that was a really cool setup for him and he again is listed as uh the righteous fist and he's got yeah. these giant arms that have the like metal braces on them and i just so great because gilgamesh was such a badass in the movie as well when he's just smacking people around with his mm -hmm. uh his same powers again you see that in the trailer so no spoilers there but um the interesting bit that we learn in here is uh again he's the punisher in that sense but he has a moral code and right. so he was like i'm trying to figure out why the machine is broken like the machine is broken. I was fixing it the other day, mm -hmm. but it's broken. And so Thena immediately is like, it's not him. And they're like, why? And she says, because, you know, part of uh, like the second principle is to protect the machine. And so if he's protecting the machine, then he's not the bad guy. Like he's following the principles basically. And uh, so from there though, he's like, okay, but think, think Gilgamesh, think, was there anybody like that? You could, he, he says, well, the only person I ever told about how to fix or work the machine was Fastos. And so they're like, oh no. And so we find out it's it's been Fastos all along. This is the new Agatha is Fastos. And I liked that. I thought that was a cool twist because we, we soon find out he has his own intentions, right? He's got good intentions for why he's doing it. I think he explains it to Thanos, but he's basically going crazy. Uh, which is wild. And we find out in the backstory of that in the, th the sixth issue that um, Thanos was the, or Fastos was the first Eternal to come back after they had all died. And then Thanos was the second Eternal to come back. And so he essentially gives him this deal. And he says, um, he's like, you know, while you were done, he says, I saw you, the weapon I needed falling through time nearly destroyed i studied you you are interesting your parents were successful 
They are unlike others from, or you are unlike others from Titan. And this is what was cool too. There's a backstory in one of the issues of an infographic around the whole Thanos creation and why it ended up being this weird experiment that was judged as a failure. But he says, while unusual, you are a true eternal, but you are not yet part of the machine. Uh, I have linked you in the limited fashion. You can access many of its systems. There is an exception, though. You will not be resurrected. And so we then find out, okay, that's why Thanos can die. Uh, he says, this body has been patched together. It will fail. But you work for me now. And when all is done, I will fully integrate you and you can be reborn. But if you betray me, the devices fail and you, the shame of the Eternals, will be erased. And so, he, you know, the machine goes into this uh, dialogue about how Thanos loves this idea because he's like, ah, this is just all a game to him. And I, the art on this is so great. Like Thanos's face is just so sneaky. And he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like I'm going to figure out a way to get out of this. Uh, but so that's that's essentially what it is, is he's trying to that's essentially the explanation we get. We don't get much more than that. And the rest of this uh, issue is another big fight with Thanos. And there's a really cool part in this. You remember with uh, Cersei when she matter manipulates all that poison fungus on him. Yep. Yep. That was cool. And the art on that was just gorgeous. So anytime an eternal is reborn, a human life is taken. And so that is what happens is Icarus dies again. He dies again. He like goes into the machine and destroys and he's reborn. He comes out the next and he's like, ah, what's up? What did I miss? But the reveal is Fastos has been doing all this. He's trying to break all of this down because it's like that question, right? You know, could you bring back a loved one if one random person on the planet is killed? And it's like, oh yeah, sure. Toby Robson is the guy who dies. So he dies. He's trying to protect him. He freaking dies. Yep. And he just dies and they're like, oh no. And so that is why Fastos was trying to break the cycle is because he cannot stand the fact that every time they come back, somebody dies. It's like, that's not right. And so you go, oh, that's actually a very noble cause by Fastos. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Uh, but yeah, Wild, he says, you know, they're like, please don't reset me. I, I refuse. I'd rather just die than cost the life. And I just love that. Yeah, Icarus. Uh, and they show that as a scene, really scary flash page. Icarus mm-hmm. opens his eyes alive again. And Tony Rob, uh, Toby Robson dies. Yeah, and he's just right. dead in his bed. And I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, heart wrenching. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's so many parallels to this book to the to the movie, and I'm not going to give nothing away. But this this one is the one I think that if if you really want to like get into the movie, like this this one's like the closest to it. Like the other books, you could just in, just look at the characters as an introductory, but yeah, th- this one is the one I think it follows the most, or yeah. it, it's, just, it's just parallel with the movie. Yeah. And so this uh, this issue closes out with them kind of discussing what the next steps are and how they're going to kind of reconcile with this. And they say, um, you know, let's get into the Unimind and convince the rest of the Eternals that uh, like that we have to stop this. And Cersei says, you know, it won't work. There's too many against us. Most in the Unimind simply don't care enough about humans. Humans die, they'll be dead again. They'll be dead anyway in a few decades. It doesn't matter. You'll be mind wiped. All will continue as it did last time and the time before, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which is interesting. And so then from there, they said, well, you know, what other option is there? And they, the last scene is them showing up at Lumeria 
and says, I love this. They're like, uh, some guard is like, ah, oh, it's the Eternals, like a deviant guard. Help, help. And he says, we come in peace to the changing people. We would join you. Help us be the changing people too. And what a powerful ending statement of this, of like, again, you know, if something's been going, a tradition has been going for so long, like it's time to change. And I love this whole, the possibility of this, of like, what is going to happen next? I have no idea. And that just makes it so exciting. So yeah, I thought it was great. Um, really enjoyed this one. Like I said, and you, you said too, tons of not crazy connections to the movies in, in the sense of like no. nothing you read in this is going to spoil the movie for you. But if you were to read this before the movie, you'd be, it would enhance your viewing, I think for sure. Or if you read it afterwards, it would enhance your viewing. Right. Um, and then, yeah, let's jump, let's jump over to this. Let me grab my book, jump over to this Neil Gaiman run. We won't go over the whole thing because this is an older run. And, and uh, uh, I mean, we'll just hit some high points. The first one being uh, if you guys are a fan of art, uh, I have multiple sections on here just tabbed because John Romita Jr. is at the top of his game in here drawing celestials, drawing uh, the powers that these people are using. Uh, but we get the full backstory of the Eternals. So if you're wondering what the, like, what's the point, what, how did the Celestials create the Eternals, this is the series that you would want to read because they go into this entire uh, thing around um, what, what the Celestials did. And so the whole point of this story is the Eternals have all forgotten who they are. And so again, main characters, Icarus or Ike Harris, as he goes by as a human, uh, and he's trying to get Makari to remember. And Makari is this doctor. Um, he's like a brand new doctor from a grad student, something like that. And he, he believes him initially, he thinks he's crazy, but then he kind of believes him by saying, you know, I've been having these dreams. I've been dreaming of Icarus for months before I met him. But they explain... Uh, when they're looking through here, again, this art is just so gorgeous, but he explains to them, he says, uh, I don't know what the Celestials are. If I ever knew, I don't remember. There are a few things I don't remember. I don't know if they came to Earth once or a hundred times before the modern age. He says the modern age, he says the last million years. Zurus believed they had. He told me once that he believed they, they had seeded the whole planet with life. Maybe there were once dinosaur civilizations. You ever wonder if there really went 65 million years ago, like whatever really happened to them? I wonder if it's some cosmic game the Celestials play over and over, deviants, eternals, mutants, uh, or humans, sorry, he does not say mutants. This is what happened, the way I remember it. They came here over half a million years ago, maybe a million. They were bigger than you can imagine, bigger than giants. And then they chose the proto people, early hominids, so like cavemen, that bore the same resemblance to humans that wolves do to Great Danes out on the savanna. Humans were simpler then, smaller, stupider, but the Celestials saw the potential, knew what that one day they would grow into, and the Celestials built machines. They used rock for their machines, you know that? My friend Ajak, and this I love this because this ties in directly to the movie. Um, Ajak, he could talk to the gods directly, mind to mind. And so in the movie, though, obviously it's like, that's what Ajak yeah. is in the movie. Obviously, we won't reveal any more than that, but to say she's the one that communicates with uh, Ashram or uh, Arishim. But uh, so I thought that was cool. That's why, because he's the one that communicates to the Celestials. Uh, he spent centuries trying to figure out how the machines work. Ajak said they were like nano circuits. Only the other way around, macro circuits, maybe big rocks that do magic, real magic. 
and uh, they made Eternals. Me, I was made by the Celestials. It's like the arguments about intelligent design. I know my designers were intelligent. I just don't know what they wanted me for. And I love that. That's something that we deal with in the movie as well. It's like, this. it's very rare that you know who your creator is. And the movie really digs into that. And this story does as well. But they made about 100 of us. And then they made the Deviants. And I think they did the... I think the deviants did this to me is what he's guessing, but it's this whole race of people, none of whom was even of the same species, each with a different look, attribute, shape. Every member of the race is a fresh roll of the genetic dice. They kind of got out of hand and bred like rabbits. Okay. I didn't even realize I said that. Yep. And we're smarter than whips. Pretty soon they ruled the world. Millions of them all so different. We left them alone until they stopped leaving us alone. They wanted to take us apart and see how we worked. We had to fight. We had to learn how to fight and we had to do it fast. And we did. It turned out we'd been built for that as well. So you're, and he says, so you're telling me a hundred people took on millions. That's not a fight. That's a massacre. And he says, it becomes a fight when the hundred can't be killed. And when we have tacticians like Zurus, our leader and Thena, his daughter, even Druig of Nightmares, my cousin, he was always a nasty piece of work, but he was lethal. And you, Makari, but you're right. It was not a war that we could win. Still, we knew, we we knew how to call them. They left us that knowledge. And when the time came, we called. And they came from space, the second horde, which is all of these giant celestials, a lot of them looking exactly like uh, they do in the movies. Yeah, uh, which is just so cool. The deviants fought back, but it was like a cloud of gnats going up against an armored car. Within days, the deviants were defeated. Their lands were destroyed and lost beneath the Pacific Ocean. They were reduced to a few thousand survivors and have never again re uh, um, regained their numbers. And so at that point, you know, because the deviants were gone, uh, humans were able to flourish is kind of what he says, which is interesting because you find out in Kieran Gillen's run, that the deviants were busy and it wasn't that they were gone, uh, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then there's this great bit too here that I liked because I actually was reading this book uh, on my vacation in Hawaii. Uh, he says to Mac Makari says to him, it's a weird, weird world out there, dude. But you know, if Spider-Man told me that he got his spider powers from reading chariots of the gods, I guess I'd figure he was full of it too, uh, which was the book that I read chariots of the gods, which was a really good book. It was uh I really enjoyed it. Um, but you, you said you read this story a while ago, right? Yeah, this, this one I read a long time ago, a couple of yeah. years back. Were there any bits or pieces that you remember from it? I just remember in this one, I thought I thought it would be a concept in the movie, like how, you know, like when you come back, you forget who you are. You have to be reminded yeah. that you're an eternal or whatnot. And uh, I know it all centered on Macari. But this this one, I, I didn't like so much. I, I, like, I like the Karen Gillan one better. Than, mm -hmm. than than the other runs like this one, the Jack Kirby one, and I forget the other one, but this, it was okay. The art, the art, the celestial art looked great, but other than that, like the the the, the human art was not yeah. that great. Yeah, John Romita is a very very specific uh, artist in that sense. And you, there's days where I don't like him, and there's days where I really like him. But I think we talked about this before I recorded. Um, mm -hmm. This was like one of the first graphic novels that I had read and rented from the library when I moved to Colorado. And so I, it's right. got a special place in my heart, but I, mm -hmm. I do acknowledge that it's, it's a little dense in that, in that end. But again, if you, if you were to read this, I would do so just for the art. And so, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll sum up the story of it really quick. 
Um, essentially, again, they've all been mind wiped and they're having to remember who they are. Cersei is a uh, party planner and right, yeah. she ends up meeting Makari and randomly and they become friends. And then it's like, you know, they all end up having this kismet where they're like in the right place at the right time. And here are the Eternals and surprise, surprise. But then we find out Sprite has his own TV show and uh, is called, uh, I think it's some, something according to Sprite. And so he's just like this teenage guy that's, you know, perpetually a kid. And we find out that he got very frustrated because of that. And so he orchestrated all of this. And he's the one who mind wiped everybody into forgetting who they were because he wanted to just live his own life and be his own person, which was uh, very interesting and makes a lot of sense as to why he would get sent uh, and, and be excluded from things in the future because, you know, we just can't trust this guy. Um, I like like they're at, they're at a party, Macari and, and Cersei. I think that's like part of the story is that they're at a party and someone yep. like comes up, like shoots the place up, and that's how they get like awakened or something like that. Yeah, there's a really cool. That's a really cool scene where he's like running around and he puts all of the bullets into a bucket and he's talking about you know I need to be careful because if I even touch these people they might explode, which is funny because I just watched the boys and yep. that's what happened at the very <laughs> beginning of the boys and I was like oh my god like what a cool concept. Also, the other call out I had in here, the big one, was towards the very end, Iron Man says something pretty interesting. Uh, tell me where you think you've heard this before. Um, he says, uh, or Zurus is talking with Iron Man. This was right around Civil War. So right. uh, he was trying to get them to register, and they're like, no, like we're not registering. We're gods, basically. We're not going to do that. He says, my people aren't heroes, Iron Man. We have been here since the dawn of time. You are homo, homo sapiens. We are homo immortalis. We, are, we were your gods. He says, I've met a few gods in my time. You, sir, are no god. Which I was like, ooh, that's a yeah. pretty interesting line from Avengers that Captain America says. Uh, which is what he says. Yeah, I, I, there's only one god, ma'am, and he doesn't dress yeah. like that. So I was like, I wonder if they pulled that line from that book. Yeah, I remember that now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that that uh, like I said, there's not not a crazy amount. Again, we wanted to just focus on the Kieran Gillen run, but I wanted to talk about this Neil Gaiman run too because I I read a bunch of Eternal stuff in preparation for the movie. I was so excited. Um, so I'd say uh, final final thought on um, what was I going to say? The I, I would say the movie because we'll, we'll have an episode uh, on Sunday. We're actually going to have special guest Sarah recording an episode around uh, the film itself. But for you, uh, without spoiling it, Rob, give us your give us a quick little review. What did you think of the movie? I, I enjoyed the movie. I think I think uh, I think it's different from from stuff we've seen. And uh, like I, I went into it knowing about some of the early takes on the movie. People were saying it wasn't good, but you know uh, that I, I guess I can understand a little bit about why they would say that, but to me it was great. I, I liked it a lot. I I, I liked it because I knew what I was getting into as far as the characters and and the the pacing was good. I understood you know with with this director it, it'd mm. be a little different. So I, I enjoyed it for what it was and and the, you know uh, how it ties into the to the broader picture or how it really doesn't tie into the broader picture yeah i i thought i thought it was a really good movie i enjoyed it a lot nice yeah um i know I, i'm assuming your recommendation to, to the fans would be go see it yeah go go see it you know 
it, it, you don't have to know too much about what's going on in the comics to, to enjoy this movie. You really yeah. don't. I mean, at the end of the day, really all you would have need to have seen is uh, Endgame, right? Just in terms yeah, of the, I mean, you know, and I, I you mean, hear it in the trailer, I mean, the references they make. Yeah, I mean, that that's the only thing. Yeah, really. Like they, they, have, they have a little couple, couple throwaway lines referring to the great the greater MCU, but other than that, it's it's kind of almost like a standalone movie. Yeah, and that's, uh, I, I think, is a pretty cool compliment because that movie could have easily been tied to so many things. And I'm, mm-hmm. it's like hats off to them for deciding to say, let's just make this stand on its own and see what happens. Yeah. It has a lot of implications, though, I would say, for the future of the MCU. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I like how it, yeah, how, it's, how it kind of moves the story moving forward. Mm-hmm. The, the, yep. the things that they, they put in there. So, yeah, there's that's, some, that's uh, exciting. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very exciting. Well, Rob, thank you so much for coming on for this. I'm glad we could finally talk about this. This was one of the episodes we talked about like at the beginning of this year, because we were, that's when the Kieran Gillen run came out. We we're like, Oh, we should talk about this right before the Eternals comes out. Mm-hmm. So um, thanks again. Really appreciate your time. I appreciate being on man. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for comics and cinema on this episode. I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you at the eternal screening. Thank you.